As we get started this morning, I want to read a, a verse out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 20 and 21. Uh, if you have a copy of scripture left for you to join me there, uh, we'll be looking at some different scriptures today, but also if you have your phone with you, just log, uh, open up your web browser, go to faithchurchks.org, faithchurchks.org, and you can read all the scriptures and see the notes there uh, and follow along with us this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2 says this, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some of these articles are for special purposes. Everybody say special purposes. Some of these are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes. In other words, what allows you to be used for a special purpose is your willingness to walk in purity, is your commitment to do the things that allow the life and the purity of God to fill and flow in and out of you. It is your decisions day in and day out, everyday decisions, how you interact with people, what you think about, what you watch, what you engage in, that those, those things of purity that, that honor God and that are God-honoring that's what allows us to be used for, for special purposes, made holy, useful. Think about this, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. God has good work for you to do. He wants your life to be used in a good way to do good things, and it all comes down to you and I being willing to be vessels for him to use. Some are for special purposes and some, some are not. In other words, not everybody who calls upon the Lord, who follows the Lord, is actually allowing him to use them in their life. Did you realize that? That there are people who come in every week, day in, day out, they love the Lord, they, they, they've given him their lives, but yet they have, they have yet to take a step and say, God, would you use me for good work? God, God, God I want to be used for your purpose. I want to be used in, in your house because he has all of these different things used for his house. Today, uh, for week number 11 of our Freedom Series, I want to bring a message to you entitled, Crack Pots. Crack Pots. Would you turn to your neighbor, look them up and down and say, nope, yep, Crack Pot right there. Go ahead, tell, go ahead, look them up and down and say, Crack Pots. We all have uh, special items that we have in our house. Some items are special because they have great value. Some items are special because there's a sentimental value to them. Something that, that a story that could be told. In my office, I have a jersey, uh, a replica jersey uh, from my beloved St. Louis Cardinals, uh, the, the baseball team, and it sits in a glass case, and it's there, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, uh, and, and it looks really neat, but it actually has zero monetary value. It actually was a cheap freebie that they gave away one day that didn't fit my brother, and he gave it to me, but I liked it, and I decided to put it in a case. It makes me feel special. It doesn't have a lot of mon physical material value, but it does hold some sentimental value to me in my life. It's something that, that I use. Some of our our things that we have in our house, they're elegant, they're untouched. Other things that are valuable to us are gritty and dirty and 
We've got the same tools that our granddad used and their craftsman tools and we'll always buy those and they still are working and they're gritty and greasy and we've been used for years and years and years and we're going to continue to use them but they have, have great value to us. Some of you, in your house you have this cabinet. It's glass on the outside, glass doors and inside these glass doors are these beautiful, ancient, valuable Fine china, dishes to serve food on, but you never serve food on them. They are practically useless because you never use them, but you look at them, and this is our, it takes up a lot of space, and nobody wants to help you move because this thing weighs a thousand tons, and, 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 but you keep it in your house, and it looks real pretty, and you run out of dishes all the time, and you're eating off paper when you have fine china, but they're just for looking at because it has some value to to us i i think to be honest that uh we have a tendency to value things based on the way they appear to us on the outside don't they we have a we have a, a an immediate measuring system in somebody's life to look at their life and look at the car that they drive or look at how they act or interact or how they're dressed at church and we automatically make assumptions or or assume certain things about who they are and their value and the life of who they they really are I think Jesus comes to kind of redefine what it looks like to have value. I think Jesus comes and he redefines what it looks like to, to be people of God. He comes and he redefines our, our quote-unquote value system in life. And, and I think he does that very intentionally. See, because whatever we come with to the place of God, there's a deep work that God does on the inside of our lives. And, and if we're always judging by what we see on the outside without knowing the contents of somebody's heart and what's on the inside, we easily can make misjudgments about their value, their worth, or their ability. See, the thing of, of following God is, and this whole journey of freedom is that it is a, a journey that happens from the inside out, which means there are things going on on the inside that you can't see, that you won't be able to see or understand. There's, there's almost always more to the story than perhaps what you are aware of or know of in somebody else's life. In fact, it, it's, a, it's a deep process. In, in fact, in week number four of this series, uh, you can go back and listen to it on their central hub. It was a sermon that we, we, we preached entitled Order of Life. We talked about two really big like theological words, like $10 words, that, uh, justification, big theological word, and sanctification, another big word. And we talked about how these two things are internal processes that God starts. Justification happens immediately the moment we put our faith in Jesus. When we say yes to Jesus, we become justified. He declares us just just as if we had never sinned. He's a judge, and he declares your life just. He justifies you because of the sacrifice that his son made. And when you put your faith in Jesus, he justifies you, giving you legal right to everything that God has. As a son or a daughter, he justifies you. Legal adoption takes place. But then there's this process of sanctification to where the life of God begins to grow in us and it changes us and, and we become to be more like God. We, we're transformed to where our behavior starts to look more like God. It's not our behavior that makes us worth something to God, but it is our behavior and our actions and our attitudes and the things that we do day in and day out that reflect the work of God in our hearts. In fact, there's a, several stages to the Christian faith. 
Uh, stage number one is this, that it's when the unbeliever becomes a believer. Some of you are, are at that point. You've been checking out church. You've been trying to check out God. You may have had some, some past history in church or past history in life. But, but you're, you're at a point where you're ready to say yes to Jesus finally and submit and surrender and, and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You're going to become an unbeliever who becomes a believer. That's stage one. That's, that's the starting point. It's the first stage. Then there's a second stage. This, the second stage of Christianity is when believers become disciples who begin to grow. This is, this is why you start showing up church a few more times than what you used to. This is why you start to read your Bible a little bit. This is when you start to like lean in during the messages and be like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm starting to learn some things, starting to grow. You're, you're starting to become a disciple who's following after Jesus. It's a wonderful process, and we all want to be a part of it. And God wants us to jump in into the stage where we're becoming a disciple as we begin to grow. But there's, there's another step or another stage of transformation in, in a Christ follower's life. And that's when the disciple becomes a leader. Or, or in other words, the disciple becomes somebody who is willing to be an influencer. Somebody who's willing to make an impact in somebody else's life. Because leadership simply is just influence. Everyone has influence. In some way or another, we all have influence. And so the disciple that becomes a leader begins to find what their purpose is in their life. That's why there are so many people in this room who have a lanyard that says host team. They've stepped up to say, I'm going to serve and join the mission and be a part. That's why we have people standing in the parking lot helping you find a parking space because they recognize I'm growing in my faith and what I've received, I want to be a part of and helping somebody else to discover. I'm finding purpose in my life. That's why so many people are wearing these blue and multicolored shirts that say faith kids on it because they knew and they've realized they said yes to join the mission and say, I'm going to be a part of helping a child discover Jesus on their level. And I want to be used, I want to influence somebody else so that they can grow to become more like Jesus, just like I've grown in my life. It's not saying that I'm perfect and I've arrived. It's just saying what I have learned, what is in me, I'm willing to give to somebody else. Some of you, that's the step you need to take. That's the next stage for you is to not just attend and learn and grow, but to actually begin to serve and to participate. And you'll find yourself in a new place of purpose all over. But then there's a fourth stage. That's when those who, who are leading and influencing, they become a servant. Jesus said the greatest place in all the kingdom is to become a, a servant. Not perfect, not, not wonderfully polished, but the greatest value that Jesus has for you, the greatest value that God wants to look at you, is that you would be a cracked pot willing to be used for good work. A servant of God. Not some high-ranking spiritual elitism. See, the, the ultimate place and the ultimate destination and stage for followers of Jesus is to allow God to use our story to bring light to other people's stories so that they could see God at work in their life for good works, as we read in 2 Timothy. We're, we're not trying to retrieve this peak holiness, peak perfection. No, we're not trying to do that. God has a different grading system for what is useful to him. The goal is not to end up in a corner cabinet of Christianity where people look at your life and say, oh, I want to be like that. As if we're on display, never being used. Never being useful to the master. No, the, the greatest thing is to not end up in a corner cabinet looking all holy and pretty and like a picture-perfect Christian. 
The goal is to be used by God in whatever way he wants to do and move in our lives to do these, these good works. Now, don't get me wrong. God does want to use clean vessels. It's not that the outside doesn't matter at all. No, the outside does indeed matter. The lives in your life, it does matter. Purity in your life, in other words, the behavior that you live, the actions that you take, purity does matter in your life. See, because it is only when you are living a life of purity that you actually can be a carrier and a dispenser of the power and the potency of who God really is. See, because to the level of your purity is to the level of your authority that you're going to walk in in the kingdom of God. Purity, it matters in our lives. It matters to our everyday decisions, the things that we watch, talk about, engage in, habits. What we do with our lives, it, it either is allowing us to become more purified and pure like Christ, or it is polluting who we are on the inside. See, what you fill your life with and what you fill your heart with, it does matter. Because what you put in is what eventually comes out. What you put in, we, we said it a couple of weeks ago, what you store up in your heart eventually streams out of your mouth. And some of us, the vulgarities and the profanities and the things are streaming out of our mouth. It's just, you can't help it, except for the fact that you can. The reason you can't help it is because you're not filtering what's going in. You're storing up those things in your heart and you can't help but have them stream out. Because you will not stream out anything from your mouth that isn't previously stored up by you in your heart. And God, God is looking for vessels that are, that are pure and holy. I don't know if you realize this, but uh, over 51% of people who claim to be Christ followers don't believe in a literal devil. 51% of people who go to church week in, week out, give, serve even, they think the devil is just more of a metaphor. Like he's not actually real. And he actually wants to destroy every component of your life. Friends, the devil is real. And he wants to destroy your life. And he's not going to show up in a pitchfork and bad ideas. No, no, no. He parades himself in a way he shows up in our lives dressed up in everything we think we want. Dressed up in everything that you think you want and that you need in this moment. The enemy shows up that way to try and get into your life, to try and crack the windows and the doors of your life. See, you've said yes to Jesus. He's given you a brand new air conditioning system, if you will, for your life, where the, the freshness of God is blowing in constantly into your life. It's a wonderful thing, but the problem is our actions uh, are allowing the windows and the doors of our life to stay open and cracked. So all that cool air that God is pouring in is just evaporating right out, and the enemy is bringing that heat back into our lives. Why? Because we haven't taken that step to realize that our, our actions, they, they matter. And most of the time when we start talking about uh, uh, the purity of our actions and the lifestyles that we live and the things that we engage in, there, there are typically two reactions that we have. The reaction number one is uh, we, we tend to clean the outside of our lives, trying to clean up all of our behaviors, trying to fix all the stuff based on some assumption or expectation of, of maybe other religious pressures that we get. Where where we try and 
act the part, look the part, dress the part, just because maybe somebody gives us a look and they say Christians don't do this and they don't do that and they don't do this and you better look this way and dress this way and act this way and talk this way and do this sort of thing. And, and it's all of this pressure that we feel on the outside. So we really try and fix all the stuff on our own and we try this and we try that and we try and quit smoking and we try and quit doing dope and we don't want to drink, get drunk anymore and we don't want to do this and we don't want to curse anymore and we're trying to do all these outside things because we feel this pressure to live up to some religious standard. Friends, that's not what this church is about. That's not what this house is like. That's not what the love of God is for. And so we try many times to live in this outside in, but the problem is, is it creates just this religious legalism that we found, find ourselves totally bound by. But, but then there's a second response oftentimes, and this is more often the response of my generation and that's simply this. We don't want to live with religious legalism, trying to follow other people's rules and do all the outside stuff. That's ridiculous. And we kind of flip on the other side and we say there's grace and there's mercy and nothing really matters. You can live how you want and God's going to forgive you. And we end up with this rebellious lawlessness that we live our lives. And we're living our lives contrary to the truths of who God is and what he says and and we just say, well, it'll be fine, grace. God will forgive, God will heal, it'll be fine. It's just all okay. But we end up in the wrong place. And the Holy Spirit tries to convict us and, and, and other people might point it out and be like, no, no, I'm free. I've been set free. I can do what I want. And we're using Christ's freedom to basically create our own inward rebellion. And that's not really God's design either. I wonder if that's what Jesus was addressing in Matthew 23, verse 25, when he looked at the Pharisees and he says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Oh, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside, man, you, you dress up to go to church. You look really good. You say all the Christian language. You, you've kind of got it all down. You know what? You've done all the right things on the outside, but the inside of your dish is full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Friends, I think a lot of us are like this first pot that I have here. Now, we look real nice and shiny and new, this beautiful red color. We, we look real good on the outside. We, we've come to church, and we've been around, and we've done the religious game for a long time, and we've done all the right things to make sure we look good. We even know how to put the right prayer hand emojis on people's Facebook posts to let them know that we're spiritual like them. And we're praying for them. Condolences, good vibes and wishes. And we've got the outside looking great, but the problem is when you look on, on the inside, it's pretty filthy, full of dirt. Self-indulgence, greed. See, see, we look the part of the Christianity, but we don't actually want to live the part of the surrendered life. We look the part of Christianity, but we don't actually want God to change our habits and our actions. And, and the reality is that, that we look so good on the outside and we're pretending like everything is good on the inside until God starts to fill us up and, and we go to be used by God and it's a little bit dirty coming out, a little bit polluted still, a little bit muddy Jesus says it's better if you would clean the inside first and then the outside. Jesus didn't say the outside doesn't matter at all. That would be called rebellious lawlessness, sloppy grace. No, he says it matters. Why does it matter? Because 
Isn't it true, pastor, that God looks at the heart and it's only man's problem to look on the outside? Yeah, that's true. God looks at your heart and man looks on the outside at your appearance. I'm not trying to reach God for eternity. I'm trying to help people find Jesus. So what it looks like on the outside actually does matter some. Because if I'm trying to reach man, then I've got to use man processes and and approaches to reach them. You know what I love is that the, when real inside change begins to happen, when God really starts to clean the inside of our hearts, it shows up in your actions. You start dressing different, talking different, not because you're trying to appreciate or you just start carrying yourself where you used to carry yourself with worthlessness. You're now carrying yourself with a sense of value. You now have a sense of God confidence on the inside of you. you don't, you're not afraid to look people in the eyes. You can look them in the eyes. Why? Because there's a change that's happened on the inside and it's starting to show up on the outside. You're willing to serve and willing to take those steps. Why? Because what's happened on the inside has changed and now on the outside it's, it's, it's being seen. But it doesn't work from the outside in. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, or excuse me, chapter 4 verse 6 says this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has made his light shine in our hearts. In other words, when we allow God to clean the inside, his light can be seen and shine out of us. Let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light and knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Don't miss verse seven. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in these cracked pots. to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We might be hard-pressed on every side, crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. There's something that I think often most of us can relate to this second pot, this crack pot, this pot that's dirty on the outside, this, this pot that's marred and broken and has gashes in it and holes in it and cracks all over it. It bears the scar of a life that has a story to tell. Dirty, filthy, still on the outside. But on the inside has been made perfectly clean. That's what Jesus does. It's justification and sanctification, the process that begins. And the beauty of it all is that you need to understand that the, between the two pots, the, the perfect one on the outside that's still dirty and the messy, broken, cracked one on the outside that's clean on the inside, God, God chooses to use the cracked pots, just earthen, broken vessels. This is the vessel that God chooses to use again and again for the glory of God. See, this one might look good on the outside, but that's a facade, that's pride. In fact, God says that one smells really bad. In fact, the person who's walking in pride, putting on airs, they're the one. They're the one that God says, I resist them, but I'll give grace to the humble, to the one that's been been through some stuff, but is willing to admit that they need a God to save and redeem them. The one who feels imperfect, when he's got, where it hangs out for everybody to see. See, see these crackpots, these, the, these are the ones that everybody knows their story in town. They're the ones that show up to church and everybody's like, wow, they're at church. I didn't know they came to church. Because the outside is, man, it, 
They got some brokenness. They got some holes. They got some gaps. They've got some scars. They've got some wounds. They've got a story to tell for sure. These are the ones that God says, I, I want to use these kind of vessels. These are the ones that, that I want to pour my love in and they can become a vessel of honor that pours out worship, that pours out life, that pours out service to God. These are the vessels that God uses. And you might be saying, Pastor, there's no way. These are two cracks. There's, they, I can't contain the same stuff that other people, because it just leaks out. It just goes everywhere. The, I have too many weaknesses. I can't be used by God. I have too much of a past. I can't be used by God. I don't know enough scripture. I can't lead a kid's small group because I, I just haven't been going to church enough. I, I just can't do this because of this. And we disqualify ourselves because we're a crackpot. But God uses crackpots. That's his preferred vessel. Crackpots. See, see, because it's in this weakness that God says, I'm going to be strong. See, any pot, any crackpot that's willing to allow God to pour his life into just has more space and capacity for the glory of God to pour out. See, those things that you count as weaknesses, those things that you count as not good enough, God says that those are the very thing that I'm going to use to display my glory. You're not going to take the credit. You can't help but let the light of God out of your life because the cracks let the light out. And the brokenness is more space for the life of God to flow out of you. And your very weakness, Paul says, I'm going to boast in my weakness because in my weakness, that's where Christ is going to know what is strong. That's why it's important you tell your story. That's why it's important you don't shy away from who you are. That's why it's important that you're willing to admit and discuss your weaknesses. Because it's only in your weaknesses that you're made strong. See, I grew up in a charismatic, word of faith environment. We never talked about weaknesses. In fact, anything that was negative or didn't line up with exactness of the word of God, we just, we just said that's, no, we don't talk about, no, we don't use negative talks. Don't say that bad. Don't admit that about yourself. Don't say that bad about yourself. Don't, no, 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 we don't, we don't talk about it. You can't confess that over your life. And there's some truth to those things, for sure. I believe in the power of your words, without a doubt. Your words matter. How you talk about yourself, it absolutely matters. But Paul said, I'm gonna boast in my weaknesses because it's only in my weaknesses that God's glory can be seen. Only in those places can God be. It doesn't mean we're going around airing our dirty laundry. What it does mean is you don't disqualify yourself from a move of God. You don't say, I can't be used by God because God's favorite thing to use are cracked pots. And you know what happens? It's really interesting. The more of God that gets poured in you and starts to pour out of you, it naturally begins to clean the outside. It's in your process of being used by God that he begins to transform the outside. That's why so many people, when they start serving, all of a sudden things begin to really transform on the outside in their life. Something shifts because God's power is at work in them and through them and they become a conduit for God's goodness and his grace. This is a church full of crackpots of which I'm the greatest. I'm the biggest crackpot of them all. Oh, I got things and stories in my life. And if you're looking for a church who has a pastor who will only boast in their strengths and not be willing to be vulnerable about their weaknesses, find another one. Because I've got cracks in me. I've got scars and stories to tell. One of the very things that I feel 
makes me absolutely the weakest is in the area of my education. I don't even own, possess an associate's degree. Now, if that disqualifies me from leading, God bless you. And every time I go to the Lord, Lord, I'm ready to go back to school. No. He tells me no. Yeah, but I could be so much better and I could do this and I could. No. Because at the end of the day, the only reason I want to gain more education, I don't feel ashamed at my lack of education. But God has a way of taking the things that look foolish on the outside that don't make sense and don't look like they qualify you and saying, watch my power show up. I don't get to take credit for anything because it really is just God who's pouring in and out of me all the way through. It's my weakness. That's where I see his greatest strength at work. What's your weakness? What if that's the very place and the very way that God wants to see his power pour out of your life? Are you sitting there, Pastor? I don't know how to become a vessel like that. I don't know how to be used by God. I don't know how to turn my weaknesses and my cracks into something that God can use. You want to know how you can still be considered a pure vessel and be used by God? Let me give you three things real fast. Number one, offer your bodies. Offer them to the Lord. Make a decision that everything you do with your body is going to honor God. From this day on, I'm not, I'm not going to watch anything. I'm not going to indulge in things. I'm not going to talk and act and hang around with people that are polluting to who God is. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to offer my body. I'm going to work at my job in the best possible way. I'm not going to speak bad about my bosses. I'm going to show up. I'm going to work my tail off and give God all the glory for it because I'm working for him anyways. I'm going to offer my body. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to offer my body to God. I'm giving him everything I've got. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, I beg you by the mercy of God, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Offer it and say, God, my body is yours. What do you want me to do with it? That's why we have seven people getting ready to go to Guatemala this Saturday. They're offering literally their bodies and say, God, use me this week. They're offering their body. How can you offer your bodies? Number two, don't just offer your bodies, but you need to renew your mind. Romans 12 goes on to say, not only offer your bodies, but be transformed in your life by the renewing of your, change the way you think. Make your thoughts line up with the truth of God's word. Transform your mind. If you renew your mind, you'll begin to see your life changed. Until you start changing your mind, your life will stay the same. You'll stay stuck. Habits will exist. You'll still be unhealthy with your body. You're still involved in toxic thoughts and way of living. It's just gonna happen. You gotta be willing to offer your bodies, renew your mind. And number three, surrender your wills. That verse goes on to say, not only I beseech you to offer your bodies, renew your mind and transform your life, he goes on to say, then you will be able to know what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, his perfect, his wonderful, his amazing will for you is. You'll be able to know what that is and walk in it. But until you surrender your will, you're going to live according to your will. And your will isn't always the same as God's will. 
His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are different than your thoughts. Your approach to how you're dealing with your marriage is different than God's approach to how to deal with your marriage. Your approach to how you're living with habits is different than God's approach to your habits. How you're living and treating your temple, your earthly body is different than how God might want you to treat your earthly body and your temple. And so when you are willing to surrender your will, you'll begin to walk in his will. And as you walk in his will, you find yourself transformed. That's the process of sanctification. Offering your bodies, renewing your mind, and surrendering your wills again and again and again. The question is, are you willing to walk in obedience? Or are you not? Until you make a decision to walk in obedience to whatever it is that God is speaking to you. Whatever area that he's asking, he's wanting to purify you. He's wanting you to take steps to clean up some things. Not to make you holy, not to make you love. No, you are already loved. He's trying to work on this outside because, man, there's so much more that he wants. He wants you to have more power in your life. He wants your prayers to be more effective in your life. You just got to purify some things. It's a process on the outside, yeah. We don't start from the outside. It starts from the inside. Obedience. If you want to honor God and be a vessel used by God, a vessel willing to have his glory and his, it doesn't matter if you've got cracks or not. It just matters if you're willing to obey or not. Are you willing to obey what the Spirit is saying to you today? You're a crackpot. I'm a crackpot. And that's the vessel God likes to use the most. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would right now just speak to our hearts. I believe right now the Holy Spirit is whispering some things to so many of us. He might be telling you it's time to offer your bodies in a specific way, change some things, habits, patterns. Maybe it's time to step up and to serve. Maybe maybe speaking something to you of your body, I would encourage you to say yes to that. Maybe there's something in your mind that he's trying to renew, a different thought process that he's wanting to change. Or, or maybe it's about surrendering your will. What is it the Holy Spirit is saying to you? If you're here, you say, I sense the Spirit is speaking something to me and I commit to walk in obedience this week. If that's you, would you just, by way of response, put a hand in there and say, I'm gonna obey this week. What, what I sense him saying, I'm gonna obey. I wanna be that vessel of honor and obedience. Thanks so much for those hands. Father, we thank you that we are your vessels, cracked pots and all, ready to be used by you. you're here in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus so while we're all still praying in this moment if you're here and you've never said yes to him you've never given your life to him and asked him to come in be the Lord ruler to set you free and to cleanse you you've been living this life in your own will and you're ready to walk according to his will you're not a part of the family of God but you want to be if you're here today and say I want to join the family of God would you just put a hand up in the air and put it right back down so that we can pray with you hands up hands back down church family thank you so much let's pray this all together pray this out loud so nobody prays alone say father god thank you for jesus thank you for sending him to this earth for me i ask you to be my lord and my savior cleanse me from my sins make me new on the inside i am your son your daughter I'm a child of God. Thank you for saving me and bringing me into your family. 
We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate today. People taking that step.